going to take it. Got it! Boston wins! Two legends in basketball analysis with over 70 years combined experience. This is the Bob Ryan and Jeff Goodman podcast. NBA, some college, a little bit of everything. You know, what can I say? But it wasn't going to happen here with him. I was okay with it because it wasn't about talent, I didn't think. All right, let, let's get right to it. <laughs> On a snowy day here in Boston, we, we come to you from Massachusetts in another edition of the Ryan and Goodman podcast. And Bob has already uh, gotten rid of the glasses. I actually got glasses a couple months ago, Bob, and it was the worst move I ever made. I don't think I really needed them, but now every time I take them off, I, I can't see crap. So uh, it, it's I horrible. I was 65. I was pretty lucky. That's a lot longer than most people ever go before they need yeah, it. No it's doubt. Just, it's no the reading. Doubt. It's the reading. That's Well, now they've got the three kinds, right? The three levels. So you're yeah. whatever they're called. Progressive. They're called progressive. Progressive, I, right. Progressive I, glasses. So that's what I got. So it's hard enough for me figuring out how to use them uh, reading or at the computer. Now I've got to also, if I'm watching TV, but I've got the the laptop or the phone in front of me, I got to figure out, all right, at the bottom, I'm reading. At the top, I'm I'm watching TV. Like, it's way too complicated for me, but I think I I got it almost. I think I got it. You'll get it. Right. I don't know. My daughter says I look old. I look like a, a, a grandfather in the glasses that I picked out. and. Uh, like like an idiot, I picked him out without my wife being there. Oh, so uh, it's no surprise. All right. So uh, Ryan and Goodman podcast uh, coming to you every single week again uh, from from snowy Massachusetts today. And and let's start out on on kind of a, a somber note. Uh, a guy you know well, I'm sure, who was the commissioner and um, really provided a platform uh, for the NBA to 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 get to the level that it is today. And and the commissioner. For 30 uh, or so years, uh, David Stern had emergency brain surgery uh, last Thursday. He had a brain hemorrhage in New York City, was rushed to the hospital from a midtown um, restaurant, and and hopefully he is okay. We haven't really heard anything nothing since, and, and that kind of scares me a little bit that nothing has been reported to his condition. Uh, I'm hoping he's okay. He was always, I didn't know him, Bob. Um, but but he was always to me just one of those personalities that you wanted to to sit and and maybe pick his brain and and have lunch with. He he was just so so different than almost every commissioner we've seen uh, from every league. So smart. He knew he was so smart, um, and still probably does from his from his hospital bed. But uh, entertaining, brilliant, and again took the NBA to a different level. What what's your kind of uh, fondest or or and I don't want to make it look like this is, uh, you know, something again, David Stern hopefully is okay. Uh, but what, what do you remember about him now, now that he's no longer the commissioner? It's very inter- interesting to me that you identified him so well as by with the disclaimer that you really didn't know him that well, but you have characterized him very, very well, Jeff Goodman. Uh, I did know him over a 30 year period, maybe more. And, um, I think I, I'm in very much in the mainstream, uh, that, uh, of, of writers that he was a, uh, a, a totally engaging and fun, fun guy, a, a, an accessible commissioner. He, he got it, you know, with us, you know, very much so. And it tells you a lot about David Stern that if it wasn't his very first move, it was a right among the first moves he made and within days of, of ascending to the commissioner's job that he went and plucked an, 
a public relations person uh, of great local, of great renown in our business, Brian McIntyre. Brian McIntyre was known to us all from the Bulls and from the big people, other people from the Big Ten. And and he brought Brian into the league office. And Brian McIntyre served as the, the league's public relations uh, director for many, many, many years. And that and, and and he's a guy that we all loved. And and he got us and we got him. And and uh, that was it just told you something. He the, the, one of the first things he wanted to address was 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 media relations and public relations. So, David. He's a funny, he's a fun guy. He's a funny, brilliant man, but he's got a, a, a devilish sense of humor and just, delight, you know, it's just a delight. You're right. He was, to me, a delight to be around always. There were people who, you know, he clashed with, with some people because of policy, you know, and that's fine. You know, like, for example, the big, the one big flashpoint that seemed to really alienate a lot of, you know, people in the business with the dress code. A lot of people <laughs> didn't take well to the dress code. Yeah. Because, yeah. Uh, you know, some, you know, some felt that he was um, going after African-American players specifically, sure. you know, that, that, and, and, and guys knows there's anything he's not, is any remotely kind of, of, of a racist, but anyway, he had to d- dodge to deal with that. But David, I feel I took this very personally, uh, hearing about what happened to yeah. David. Uh, I, I had a, I personally did a podcast with him a year and a half or so ago. That, that was a lot of fun, uh, as, as usual. He, he was a visionary. First, uh, I think in his job, and you're right. You used the word taking it to another level. He absolutely did usher the NBA into this international, the global phenomenon yeah. that it now is, and he ushered it into that. And he was very humble about it. I remember having a, a sit down with him uh, in 1996 at the NBA Finals because I was doing a magazine story, and I sat down with him for a couple of hours at the finals between the Bulls and the, and the Sonics in Seattle. I remember. And and he was not taking credit for stuff he was really that he had done, but I just said, well, I just went and asked questions. I I'm not I'm not a marketer. I don't know anything about marketing, but guess what? Yeah, you know he knew a lot about marketing. Uh, and and one of the things that impressed me at the time was he he sought out advice, if you will, and 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 you know, bounced things off other commissioners. He bounced stuff wow. off. Roselle and, and Tagliabue. He bounced stuff off of uh, you know, Bud Selig before him. He had the others. So anyway, that was very interesting, too. And of course, he begat Gary Bettman. Gary Bettman was his a right-hand man. Yep. So, you know, so you know they were in good touch all those years. But anyway, so many things I can say. Now, one, the, 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 the great tells you a lot about David Stern. 1986, there was a league meeting out in Phoenix, and the purpose of the, uh, and the biggest number one thing on the agenda was Entertaining expansion pitches from seven cities. Okay. Cities. And this is a point when they were only, they had just come through, uh, uh, you know, uh, uh, all kinds of turmoil in the league. And they were talking about consolidation at one point, a couple of teams, and they were talking about this and that. And, and, they, and, and you know, there was a little bit of doubt about this, not stability, but the viability, the whole uh, impression uh, sure. uh, of the league. Anyway, seven Cities march in and they give these impassioned, detailed, very impressive presentations that later begat, you know, the likes of Orlando and and, and Minnesota and and, and uh, Miami and yep. Charlotte, you know. Okay. And he said when it was over, he said, you know, after listening to these people, I think it's the reverse of the Groucho Marx uh, story. I think if all these people want to join the club, we should let them all in. <laughs> <laughs> and, he did. Uh, and they and they did like a little bit. But um 
I hope David can survive this. I, I did see uh, this is a very it's a very serious circumstance. Uh, this type of a brain hemorrhage, and and uh, took a, uh, he is seventy seven years old. But it was a shock, uh, you know, and and, and it's had a, it's affected uh, a lot of people. I've had communication from a lot of people, you know, sure. saying we hope David's going to be okay. You know, Bob, the the one thing that I always thought about with him is, you know, seeing him from afar that he was almost incapable of of spin which so many commissioners try to do. And it just seemed like whatever he said. Yeah. Now, again, he was smart enough probably to figure out what he could and couldn't say. But to me, it just seemed like all the time, like David Cern, there was just no BS. He was going to say it, whatever was on his mind. And, and, and as a media member, my guess is he was a, quote, machine as a commissioner. Oh yeah, he was. Uh, he made a point to make the rounds during the playoffs. You know, when he'd go to games and he'd come into press room before the game and yeah. say hi, how are you? And I remember we, we were. There was a particularly funny point in time about 20 years ago when the league was in the midst of what I personally refer to as its ice age. When when defense Uber Alice, you were lucky to get 100 points in a game once a week. When when guys were holding the ball and you know it wasn't it wasn't great. It was Not pretty. Hard. It was, it was, and I said it was the, the league was in the clutches of Frady Cat coaches, most of whom were happier when they did not have the ball than when they did. <laughs> and the league, and this, of course, carried over in the college at that time as well. But this is hurting. And, and, you know, we, he was on the defensive with this because we we're all writing about these NBA fights. Look at some of those scores and those Knicks. Oh, oh, God. And then oh, the slog basketball, the Knicks and the, and, and the Rockets and, you know, and, uh, you know, with the, with the Riley, when, when Riley reinvented himself oh, and thug, thug ball, you know, with New York, with Charles yeah, yeah. Oakley and company. And, you know, and it, the games weren't, they were suddenly, they weren't free-flowing and artistic, and they weren't showcasing the league's talent, I don't think, the way they should have. And, you know, David was on the defensive with this, but he would come in and jar and, and joust with us and say, well, you know, uh, you, you guys like a one nothing baseball game, don't you? You know, and that kind of, you know, yeah, well, sometimes we do. But, you know, but he was willing to, he was willing to, to you know, uh, in, in interact with us always. How much of that was was off the record stuff? Like, he'd come in, he, he, he'd spar with you, he'd have a little fun with you. Was it just understood? Because that's the beauty for me when I'm dealing with coaches or league commissioners or, or you know, whether it's NBA, college, whatever level, is to try to figure – Tom Izzo is a great example. Tom Izzo will say anything. And you feel like when you walk away from him, you don't know if he knows if he was on the record or off the record sometimes. <laughs> and you want to protect him from himself – Right. So sometimes, again, oftentimes I find myself not writing what he says because I feel feel like there's no difference, right? He doesn't say when he's off the record, and and I wonder how many other people are like that too. With Stern, w was that the case ever where he just go and go and go, and you had to determine what was really on or off the record with him? I'd say pretty much that would be the case. Yeah. Yeah, we, we, it was, and of course, it depended on who he was talking to, too. But uh, but I just think so. Yeah, pretty much so. Uh, but he was just, I just, see, unlike some people, I just never had it. I don't have any negative thought about him. Nothing. I mean, I really, not, not, I never got into it with him about anything. It was good natured. Yeah. You know, yeah. He knew because, you know, what ground, you know, what bonded us? He loves basketball. Yeah. And yeah. he knew I love basketball. And anybody who really, you know, I mean, you and I know. Um, that in our job, people have to understand this. Sometimes you're you're, you're doing a, a you're, you're put in a position where you're covering a sport that you totally love and and and, and you know and you're proprietary towards it. And other times you're covering a sport that you appreciate, you understand but you it, but yeah. it isn't your heart. 
You know, that's me in football. I'll be honest. You know, the two I love are baseball and basketball. And I don't know enough about hockey, you know. So, I mean, I've never got sufficiently versed as I wanted to be about hockey. But anyway, you know, he knew I loved, he knew I was a basketball oriented person, a basketball junkie, quite frankly. And, and, and he grew up in, you know, he grew up in the, in, in New York and on, in the island of Manhattan, son of a deli owner. I think it was the Upper East Side. And, and, um, a lawyer, he, right? He was a lawyer. But he was a Knicks fan. Yeah. He, you know, yeah. he, we're talking about the Knicks of, of, of uh, uh, Ernie Vandeway and Vince Barilla and Carl Braun with the two hand overhead set shot, you know, Sweetwater Clifton. He grew up with those guys. You know, and um, and then he went to school at Columbia, of course, and and, and on, on on there. Well, let's hope, let's hope David Stern can get healthy at uh, seventy-seven, and maybe he can even see the Knicks. You know, uh, you know a win a few games. Uh, I, that may be too too much to ask for, but um, the yeah. biggest thing, David Stern, uh, get healthy. Uh, we miss you. Uh, you are entertaining for everybody, and uh, you know it's certainly something that that again is is not to be taken lightly. Brain, brain surgery at at any age, at any age, is scary. Let's get onto the court a little bit, Bob. And uh, a big streak that I think went completely under the radar. Eighteen uh, game winning streak was snapped uh, last night. We're recording this on on Tuesday. The Milwaukee Bucks won eighteen straight, and I don't think anybody was really talking. Like, did no, anybody no, know, Bob? I mean, this was was the Lakers and and in that regard, you know, they they won 14 straight on the road uh, as we speak, I believe. And uh, yeah, the Lakers, because it's LeBron, you know, he's, uh, you know, it, it dominates. Uh, and Milwaukee is still, you know, Milwaukee and uh, and it's not a major market. Uh, I've always been proprietary to Milwaukee going, sorry, I spent a lot of time there in the seventies, you know, because of Kareem and those guys, you know, those teams. But anyway, um, yeah, they have really done it. And uh, they're really coming out the blocks and, and Antetokounmpo is building on his, on his MVP, <laughs> he's building at 48 last night, uh, you know, and uh, and and he's yeah, he's just breathtaking. Special. Quite special. Uh, and they yes. did, all, by the way, and they did all this mostly without Chris Middleton, who was acknowledged to be their second best talent. And anyway, you know, one thing is, I got my heart stirring was who making a, a nightly contribution. Uh, and uh, after I know who you're going to say, well, last night Dante DiVincenzo. Yes, uh, yes. You know, um, uh, he is becoming a factor. And, uh, you know, that kid is so, uh, dare I say, can I use the A word? He's so athletic. Can I use he is, Well, they have two, listen, they have two <laughs> white guys who are super athletic, including one from around here, Pat Connaughton. Tom he's got like a 40, I, I still dispute the 44-inch vertical, by the way, that he got at the combine. I, oh, I, I don't I don't buy, I'm going to get him here. Back when he comes home, you know, he lives in Hampton Beach when he comes home. Oh, does he? He does. So I did not know that. No. Yeah, I stood him up by accident about a year and a half ago. We we're supposed to meet, and I totally forgot. We we're supposed to meet at a great uh, Chinese food restaurant um, right at Hampton Beach called Ocean Walk. Uh-huh. And and he said the last time he was stood up was was by some like model or something like that. I said, well, yeah, I'm <laughs> I'm not in that class. I just totally blanked on it. That's and uh, and Pat's one of the best kids. In fact, we'll do. When he comes into Boston, maybe in the off season or whatever, we'll we'll do a pot. You will if you haven't been around him. I haven't been. Oh my, Bob! You will absolutely love this kid because he can talk with any. He's he's the type of kid who just gets it. Yeah, well, that's you know cool. what I mean. And I can expand on that, but but for you, it'll be just hanging with him, and there's no BS with Pat Connaughton yet. Everybody likes him, and that's and that's the hardest thing to balance right if if, if, yeah. if there's no bs and you say it the way it is but you don't offend people right right it's like a skill i can't do sure. it you 
you've probably done it pretty well in your career and your life. I can't do it. <laughs> well, I'm glad to, I'm nice just to meet him then. And of course, I'll, naturally, I'm proprietary to any local kid. I admire any local kid that can can make it. And and he very much is that. So that's that's good to know. Yeah, maybe we'll get a a, a round table of of uh, uh, Pat Connaughton and George Niang, two of my uh, oh, he's favorite. He's one of my favorite players to watch in the last 10 years in college basketball. Love yeah, he's awesome. And they're both they're both similar kids in okay. terms of, again, no BS, going to say it the way they they, they see it. Um, George will offend people probably a little bit more than, than Pat <laughs> will, but uh, they're, they're both pretty good. Anyway, all right, the Bucs. Uh, Giannis is putting up crazy, crazy numbers. But last night, now they're without Eric Bledsoe now, which – I, I don't think it's that. Thick is a blessing at times. I I say that. I say, listen. The problem with the Milwaukee Bucks comes down to point guard play and Eric Bledsoe. And I don't trust them winning the East, even even though they won 18 straight. Oh yeah, you know, a long way to go. With yeah, I just don't. I don't know. There's just some. You know, you put Ben Simmons on Eric Bledsoe in the playoffs. I, I think he's going to just swallow him up. And I know Bledsoe is fast. But I don't trust him mentally. I actually think he's got the physical tools, Bob. <laughs> I don't trust him mentally. And Chris Middleton, as good as he's been, and he's kind of the number two guy to Giannis. I don't know. There's something about him. And I, it, for me, it boils down to Eric Bledsoe. That I know what the something is. It's Eric Bledsoe. I don't trust him as their point guard to get to the NBA Finals. Even though Giannis is Giannis, Chris Middleton's a good Robin to, to the Batman there. And they've got great you know, parts, the Lopez twins. Have you seen these videos, by the way? Have you seen these Bucks videos lately? No, but I have to, I've heard about it. No, no, you have to watch these videos. It's like like WWE wrestling in the, in the hallways. I, I guess it's right before the games. And the Lopez twins are complete knuckleheads in a good way. I remember interviewing them both at Stanford, and they're like, they, they love going to like amusement parks and uh, comic uh, books, comic books. Yeah. They're, they're just kids at heart. So my guess is this was started by uh, Robin Lopez. Cause he's at the center of all these videos um, getting pummeled by whether it's Giannis or other players, you, you got to watch it. it. It's entertaining. And what it shows Bob, I think more than anything is just the chemistry and the camaraderie with this group. And that's why a big part of why they've won 18 straight is because awesome. when you talk to people, <laughs> Whether it's Pat Connaughton, I know Ben Baker well, who's an assistant coach with the Bucks. They absolutely love Giannis as a teammate, as a leader, as a guy who's got no ego. And and with when that happens, everything else is kind of oh, falls. So on incredibly high. important when when yeah. the best player is has great work habits and personality and gets who he is and all that. You know, it's like when Larry was in his prime and 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 he always made a point of um, befriending the twelfth man. Yeah. You know, or the befriending the 10th, 11th, 12th man. And, uh, you know, I mean, he, without saying, I knew damn well that's what he was doing. You know, I mean, he didn't like take a uh, hell of a press conference to say, this year my guy is, you know. Michael so, Smith, right? right. Yeah. Uh, er, you know, Eric Bud, Eric Bernstein, you know, yep. uh, uh, but whoever. But Larry was, Rick Carlisle was that guy. Yeah, sure. Time, you yep. know, when he was a rookie. And but Larry uh, also clashed, didn't he? Like, like he was a great leader. In a sense, but was he a great leader? Because he still clashed with with teammates because he expected so well, much out of everybody. Well, it's primarily Kevin and 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 you know there there were two rival empires almost at times, you know. And you know, and what Larry thought Kevin, he, he kept saying, 
Kevin should work should be an MVP. Well, the code, you know, the, you know, the, the interpretation of that is he doesn't think Kevin worked hard enough. And Kevin would look at Larry and say, "Get a life." You know, Larry couldn't understand why Kevin could be joking until the, the ball was thrown up. Yeah. Then, then Kevin would put on his game face. Larry's game face was on when he got to bed in the morning. Right, right. You know, and, and and they're just with different personalities, different people. And 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 then today, I mean, it's not like they ever became enemies. They were never enemies. It was just, right, right. you know, they, they they're were, not buddies. They didn't hang out. Right, they weren't hanging out buddies, but God knows they they know how much one each of them meant to each other professionally. Um, I'll never forget when. Uh, Larry missed that whole season, basically, with the heels in 88-89. And he comes back, and in the exhibition season, I remember they had a game, had a game in Worcester uh, against somebody, doesn't matter who. And Larry's back, and now Kevin's getting these feeds he hadn't been getting for a year. He's getting the ball exactly where he wanted it. The ball, put the hand up, and the ball magically appears at the sure. hand. When Kevin's at the right, he's got the half step on the guy. He's got the guy sealed off. He hadn't had this for a year, you know? Okay. I mean, so, by the way, when they talk about greatest passing forwards, and I totally will acknowledge LeBron is – it's one. Of, it's either one, and I can make a case for Larry, and I'm sure somebody can make a case for LeBron. But I really believe Larry still had more all around, all around passing ability than than LeBron. But maybe I'm wrong. But anyway, I, he was a great post feeder. And, yes. You know, now that's the that's, difference. LeBron in the open court. That's an irrelevant talent now because there is no post play as a rule. So it doesn't matter. You don't have to. But Larry was a great post feeder when that was a. A primary thing. Listen, yeah, for those who who haven't seen Larry's passing, I mean, both of them, incredible. Both of them just see everything. Their IQ, like either could have played. I, you know, I get a kick out of it when people are like, "Well, could Larry Bird have done what he did in today's game?" I, I'm like, of course he could have. Like, he he he's he was so special and could have played in any era. Same thing with LeBron James. Like, oh. it doesn't. Those guys' IQs are off the charts and that's the one thing they may, look at LeBron right now he's leading the league in it's a sit. I this is this is I'm just up apoplectically you know uh, I don't know what to say about how great he has been this year the, the weapons he didn't have the way that well, yeah he knew last year like that there was a cap on what they could do last year yeah. right I mean he he knows he, he can judge talent but he's 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 stimulated all right how's that trying to find the right word to what this presence of such a rare wonderful talent uh, such as anthony davis has done for him and and to the point the manifestation that, that anybody can see he's leading the league in assists and it has a lot to do with that you know no no question all right let, let's finish up with with the box uh first and 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 then we'll go on to lebron and, and Bronny because i think that's a, an interesting topic that, that we'll hit on the, the one thing that i think is lost a little bit with milwaukee and, and and everybody talks Giannis, 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 is, is coaching. Oh, yes. I, I think Bud is one of the elite coaches in the game right now. And, and what he's done with that roster since he took over. I mean, think about it. Like, since he took over, and again, I know Giannis kind of made that jump. He's in year seven, I think, right now in the NBA. He he kind of took that. He was ready to take that jump um, when, when Bud took over. But um, he's given him confidence. I, I think Giannis now is shooting like 32% from three, which, you know, if he can bring that up a little bit more you get uh, up over the next couple of years. Five, six, seven. That, yeah. Yeah, that's, yeah. But the, the one reason why I give Milwaukee a shot is because of Bud and, and, and what he's been able to do. And you wonder how much Atlanta regrets oh. uh, letting him go, right? I mean, he, he's an elite coach in the league right now. And, you know, it's interesting. I, I just did a thing. I'm tooting my own horn here, but if anybody that doesn't know, there's a publication called Basketball Times. I've written for it for 43 years, <laughs> and uh, or it's Antecedent Basketball Weekly. And uh, 
I have a column coming out next month about the, the, just the interesting situation about where coaching is in the NBA today. Uh, and uh, here's why I'm going to get, I'm going to make, I've got a point to make here. I'm going to get somewhere. Don't worry. Uh, there are 30 jobs available in the NBA. Nine of them are currently held by ex players. Okay. Nine. Okay. Um, ranging, you know, and, 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 you know, led by, of course, Steve Kerr with the rings. But, but nine of them are currently are ex players. Uh, in the old, old days, in the, in the first 25 years of the league, the, the preponderance of coaches were ex players yeah. you know, in the league. And, and then it was a little influx of college players in the late 60s, early 70s, uh, starting with, uh, Butch von Bredekoff in L.A., and then they hired Joe Mullaney in L.A. to succeed him from Providence. And then we got the Fitch and Amata and the Cottonford Simmons crop that came in to coach for the next, you know, third part of 20, 25 yep. years. All right. What the preponderance of the biggest majority of categorization of coaches in the NBA today are unknown guys to the American public who have apprenticed in everything – some of them coached in college. Some of them coached in Europe. Some of them coached in the G League. Some of them coached in all these places. And that's the preponderance. There are more coaches that fit that mold in the league today. Steve Clifford. I'm um, on and on and on. Budenholzer. Well, Spolstra when he got the job, right? Spolstra. Spolstra, right. And et cetera. And they, none of them have a public profile. Maybe yeah. Spolstra yeah. because they won. If, until Mike Budenholzer wins, the American public, isn't or, or makes a deep run in the, or gets yeah. to the finals? It's amazing. He's in the these all these guys. As Brad good as Stevens, the only reason Brad has it is from college. Right, and and right. Some of, and he, there's only two guys that made. He's that went directly from college. He's one, and the yeah. other one I, I forget. Uh, is, I, I forget. There's another one, but yes, that's it. Oh, that's what sparked all this in writing this story was John Beeline's problems in Cleveland. Exactly. You know. right. Who, who so, by the way, who by the way. I talked to somebody this morning on the beeline situation, and they said, listen, Cleveland knew what they signed up for. This roster stinks. They were never going to be good. And, and what this person said, this NBA um, executive told me was, why didn't somebody, whether it's Dan Gilbert or Kobe Altman, the GM, come out and say, John Beeline's our guy after this. Why didn't they come out and say, hey, listen, we know we're not winning this year. We know we got a long way to go, but John Beeline is our guy. They should have, shouldn't well, they? Except if they had done that, though, and then people would have, I'm just throwing this out there. Yeah. Then somebody said, you know, oh, that's your traditional vote of competence. You know what that usually leads to, you know, a firing six weeks later. I mean, that, could they have won that by doing that? Some Maybe not, you know. Wouldn't it have been good just for Beeline, though? Just, just for John Beeline to realize, hey. Privately, as far as we know, maybe they did it privately. Maybe you got to do it publicly. There, I think you got to do it publicly rather than hanging them out to dry when people are taking shots at them. And again, this group in Cleveland is not built to win, and they're not built. They're they're. It's really a group that they've got a couple of young guys, but again, everybody's going to be gone on this team, other than Larry Nance Jr., Colin Sexton, Darius Garland. And if they can get rid of, if they can just get somebody to take Kevin Love's contract, which is not easy. No, no. Um, that, someday I want to talk about Kevin. Well, I said this the second time I said this. Someday I just want to talk about Kevin Love. But oh, but, cool. uh, but anyway, so we want to get back to what I was saying, though. Yeah. So the preponderance of coaches in this league fit the categorization of, of, of uh, ba extensive background, uh, had nothing to do with with prior NBA until, uh, you know, playing at all, but, but may have very well had to do with G league, D league coaching, uh, assistant coaching. In the case of Spolster, he was a video guy, you know, uh, uh, but here's one guy in the league that fat, when I was doing my little research, because yeah. I knew nothing about him, zero about him, zero Taylor Jenkins. I knew. Yeah. I didn't either. Well, here's Hawks, his, Hawks here's, assistant, right? Right. Here's his 
amazing yeah. tidbit. Go ahead. He's the only one of all these guys. I double checked on Beeline because I wasn't sure, but it was he definitely had a four year college career. Uh, at at uh, uh, Jesuit, uh, Wheeler, uh, Wheeler, Wheeler Jesuit. Is same where, where Jim O'Brien, the other Jim O'Brien, yeah. you know, coach. He never played college basketball. Never played. The only one. He, he did not play college basketball. He played. He's listed as Penn intramurals. <laughs> I'm saying if intramural playing is a criteria, I'm qualified. You're good. You're good. And not only that, Jeff Goodman, but I refereed one year the championship game in both the day league and the night league. How's Listen, that? if that's the case, if intramurals is okay, then then I can coach in the NFL. Is that right? Huh? Yeah, yeah. Like I played intramurals in Arizona for 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 football. So like I, I can coach in the NFL. I'm gonna I, I'm gonna I, throw my hat in there. Wait a time I gotta have a twenty here. Did you you got no, this is a tackle you're talking? You're talking no, hell no. Talking no, touch, no. right? No, just touch. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Right, I gotta make sure. Intra, yeah. Yeah, cause, okay, you, you know, we didn't have a BC formal intramural uh, foot touch. We had informal touch. You know, we played a lot of touch, but it wasn't. But we did have a definitely well structured day league and night league um, basketball. Uh, intramural basketball. Yeah. Anyway, Taylor Jenkins never played college basketball. Interesting. Ever. Interesting. That's, and what? But how? All these guys, starting with Bud, yep. could yep. walk they down coach. the street in America unnoticed. You know. To no, a hundred percent, a hundred percent. Nick Nurse. Nick like, Nurse. Come on. Now he just won a title, Bob. <laughs> he just won an NBA title. And Nick Nurse, you could walk down the street of Boston, streets of Boston with Nick Nurse. How many people would recognize him? Now maybe nope. he's maybe he would be recognized in Flin Flon or in uh, Chicutami or you know That's or right. Yellowknife or or out in the Maritimes too. But uh, but not in America. <laughs> no, no. Nick Nurse, right. Nick Nurse has done a really a really nice job with a Toronto team that oh. I thought would fall off the absolute face of the earth this year without Kawhi Leonard. They are enjoying themselves. You know what I'm saying? They are definitely enjoying a thumb in the nose of the world, led by Pascal Siakam, who is now mm -hmm. stepping up. You know, you're talking all-star. You're talking first. Yeah, you're talking yeah. making a bid for, you know, uh, certainly making a bid be all-league second, third team this year. You know? No, he – and he came Sorry. out of nowhere, Bob. He, the guy came out – he played in New Mexico State. I, I mean, I knew of him loosely, but didn't really know much about him. And he just plays hard, and he's more skilled than anybody gave him credit. And obviously – you could tell he works his ass off because he continues to get better. And, and their DNA, even though Kawhi's not there, their DNA has kind of remained the same with, with guys that Nick Nurse loves because they got there kind of like Nick did, right? Nick went through the junior college ranks and nobody thought he'd get here. Wait a minute. How about England? How about, you know, uh, Antarctica? I mean, the guys, this is the other Everywhere. background, you know, some of them have it. He's, he's a exhibit A. I mean, you talk about coaching all over the map. We don't mean the United States map. We mean the world map. Oh, absolutely. Of course, Brett Brown, of course, another one from uh, Australia. Going back to coach the Aussies in the uh, Olympics next year again. I know. Very cool. Hey, Very cool. Anyway, Brett. Nick Nurse. Well, Nick Nurse, England. He's well known in Birmingham or somewhere, you know. <laughs> but how about, you know, you've got Kyle Lowry and Fred VanVleet as your guards. They're Hello. both. Well, how, how big? Both no. of them might be six feet. Six maybe. feet. Maybe. Maybe. Yeah, right. Uh, and they play together. First of all, you the fact that you could play two guys that yeah. small together, neither great athletes at no, all. But, but I love man, they just yes, they they get it, they play hard, they play tough. They've got that that Kawhi mentality without the talent that Kawhi has, without the natural ability. So they're they're I would think that their fandom is getting their money's worth. You know what I'm saying? They should 
I think they're absolutely getting their money's worth. They're right in there. They're 18 and 8 as I look, uh, as I as we speak. And, and they're, and they're, yeah, that's good. That's nice. I'm really happy that it hasn't, you know, gone the Cleveland post LeBron route. That's right. right? That's it's, right. Which it could have. opposite. They're going, they're holding their height up high. They're, they're an Eastern threat, you know. So good. God love them. I like it. Now, the only thing you worry about is if, if they're uh, good but not great, how do they get great again? Can they get great again? Because ultimately, you know, you're not going to draft well enough. You're not going to have a, you know, you're not drafting high enough. And are you really getting a free agent to Toronto? Yeah. yeah. I don't think so. No, they've never. No, no, no. Even with the cachet of having won a championship. And, you know, it's too bad because you, we are, you know, it's one of the great cities in North America. And uh, it's a wonderful place, Toronto. Uh, you know, just, just as long as you have your, your woolies, you know. But other than that, you know, good. But, hey, Timberwolves, you know, Boston. Uh, I'm sorry, you know. No, Toronto's a great place. If we're, People don't know that. So, anyway, they should know that. All right. Well, now it's time to talk about Bronny. 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 I saw Bronny last year. You know, I've seen him in person. All right. Twice. Uh, twice. At least twice. So, I saw him about uh, a year and a half ago in a gym in Vegas and LeBron showed up, and this was uh, an AU tournament. Bronny was playing up, um, and it was awesome. I sat right next to LeBron, was talking to him about what it was like, and he wasn't as active as he is now when you see him sometimes running out on the court. He sat in the bleachers, Yeah. but the thing that blew me away, Bob, was every single time one of the teammates came off the court, LeBron had something uh, productive to say he knew every kid's name, yeah. which which is impressive. I don't know every one of my daughter's friends' names. Yeah, sure, sure. Like, I don't. I mean, they come, they go, right? Like, I know yeah. her good friends, but I don't know everyone. He yeah. knew everyone's name, and he would give them constructive feedback every single time almost that they came off the floor. It was awesome to watch. Now, again, some people are saying it, it's too much, right? He ran out in the court the other night. Bronny played against St. Vincent, St. Mary's. St. Mary's, yeah. And, and LeBron's running out in the middle of the court at times. He's done it before at AU games. He's he's going in pre, you know, layup lines before the games at AU games and and dunking. Is it too much, or or is this our is this well, fine? I, I don't like it on the surface, but if it's if they don't mind, I mean, you know, a lot depends on how Bronny, you know, handles himself. Very much the way uh, the whole the, the Ball Brothers situation, in terms of, you know, no, don't, don't compare them. No, I, please. I, this is a public, amazing thing about this. A public confession. I yeah. actually, one of my dreams last night, Lonzo and Lavar showed up in one of my dreams last. Night. So I guess <laughs> oh, you call that. Did you wake up in a, in a, in a cold sweat? A cauchemar, which is French for nightmare. Uh, I, I was a cauchemar. Obviously, if LeVar is at the end of the, I, I have no, I cannot tell you how that happened, but I can just think, I said, oh my God, because I, I remember I was thinking, I've never met him before. I've never seen him in person before. LeVar Ball. So, you that's, know, he, he can be entertaining. I, I feel bad that it ended the way it did with, with he and I, because um, he can be entertaining, as I tell everybody, in, in small segments. Like, give me an hour. I'm okay. But give me 10 days in Lithuania. Lithuania? No way. All right, let's back, all right, back up. Um, yeah, um, let's, let's, let's. Back to Bronny. Yes. Uh, this is an interesting phenomenon in general. The son of not just a good player or a player, the son of the top of the mountains. We've had two other examples uh, in recent years of, of the guys at the top of the mountain, and neither of those kids made it. You know, and they weren't. One uh, would be Kareem, and right. the other would be Michael. 
And yep. and uh, now, now Larry had a son Eddie who did play. Uh, uh, I went through high school. In fact, I went out there to do a story when he was when Larry was playing, and and I, I think he may have played a little bit in Indiana State, but anyway, he did. But but none of them. But this this looks like this could be this kid the highest could, level. A phenomenon, and yeah. just like Daddy was. Now, interesting, Jeff. I I, I see this is a complete parallel to to Daddy. Uh, Fifteen years ago, when they when when they were setting new uh, uh, standards by being on national television, yeah. when Saint Vincent Saint Mary was leaving their gym to go play uh, at the over to, uh, at uh, Akron U, right at the University yeah. of Akron, uh, yeah. and uh, and and they were uh, and and I personally uh, got on my high horse and said, I'm not going to. I said it. I I. This is ridiculous. I thought I'm not watching I, a high school kid. I, right. no, I said I've seen every great player the last fifty years. Now we're up to sixty, right? And and I'll wait. I can wait, right? Yep. Well, guess yep. what? He was worth waiting for, right? LeBron. But here's why. why here's I, why. To me, well, I'll go into what why it's different also. But you miss LeBron at his start. Now again, there aren't many like this. But but I've covered kids. You know, I saw Kevin Durant when he was fourteen years old. So to be able to watch them and how they progressed mm-hmm. from 14 all the way up. Oh, that's different. I, it is cool. It's oh, yeah. cool. You see how how much he improved his perimeter shot. A lot of people will say, well, LeBron still can't shoot. Like if they if they had seen him then to mm-hmm. now. And then the other part is his body. Yeah. Like I remember talking to LeBron about it last year when he came into Boston and we were talking about Zion. I said, what did you weigh when, when you were in Zion's age? Mm-hmm. What'd you weigh? 240, 245? And he looked at me and he's like, No, like like I weighed like 225 at that point. Now he still looked like a man compared to everybody else. Yeah. But but not compared to somebody like Zion. So anyway, all right. The difference between Bronny and LeBron is again, LeBron was the best player on the planet. Everybody knew he was going to be an NBA star, even at that point. He was so much better than everybody else in every single aspect other than shooting the basketball. Um so he warranted it. Bronny is getting all this. If 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 his father wasn't LeBron, nobody would be in the gym. He'd be just another player. Now, again, I'm not saying Bronny can't be a really good player and he can't be able to play at Duke or Kentucky or one of those elite-level schools, and maybe he can be a one-and-done. But right now, there's other players. Like, for instance, I was at the Peach Jam this past year, uh, summer, July, in Augusta. And on one court was Bronny, okay? And every it was packed. You couldn't move all upstairs around the track. You couldn't get in to mm-hmm. see Bronny, okay? Like everybody, they come in through the back door. They go out through the back door. I mean, it's, it's insane <laughs> what they have for this kid. On the other court, Bob, was a kid named Amani Bates, who is the best 15-year-old and the closest thing to Kevin Durant that I have seen since Kevin Durant and is going to be, in my opinion, he will be an NBA star. He will be better than Bronny James. Mm-hmm. But because Bronny James' well, father is LeBron, it's taken him to a level that I don't think is is fair for the poor kid right now. I feel bad for the kid because well, he's he's going to be very good. Don't get me wrong. He could be an NBA player, Yeah, but, but it's not a lock. No. Well, uh, that's... Okay, well, that's good. I need to be educated on this exactly where he fits. I, I was because I've been led to think that he is the second coming of Daddy uh, on in the, down the road. But that's good to know. And right, well, obviously, the, being a high-profile kid's going to have its 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 benefits and its 
ne- negative aspects. And and LeBron's got to be really careful with this because I think in terms of this public, uh, you know, handling of it, for sure, you know. But the whole dice. But it is an interesting topic about. I, I was trying to make a list in preparation for thinking about sons of NBA players, you know, and and over the years and and who's the who's the best one and uh, that's ever you know come along. Uh, and it's it's it, it, there's been a lot of guys that have been maybe played in an all star game now and there, but just no one. I don't know. It's just interesting to Mike Dunleavy Jr. was a good player. Uh, Who's um, the best? I know. I'm trying to think. Did, uh, hey, did press did you know, press Maravich, did press Maravich play? Yeah, but he was a he was a journeyman, totally okay. a journeyman. He was a. It's it's Steph. Del Curry. Yeah, was, yeah, was, it's Steph. Right now, I think the leader in the clubhouse in this discussion is Steph. By the way, Steph, the closest. Hey, the closest comparison and the guy that I actually wanted to get on a podcast and I'm going to try to track him down, who, who could talk about what it's like would be Marcus Jordan, Michael's younger son, who okay. played at UCF, wasn't great, but was good, was good. I remember talking to him when he was at UCF. I would love to get him. Yeah. But, but know, the I, times I, have changed I, too, Bob. That's got, the thing. We got Wes Matthews Jr. We got Tim Hardaway Jr. Daddy yep. was a damn good player, but right. he's not, and he's not daddy. And then Wes... Uh, uh, You'd have to look at the top West, 20 players of all time and who I, Jerry, Jerry Scott is, is Johnny, you know, did play, you know, who? Johnny, uh, didn't it Johnny is Jerry West's son. Oh yeah. He played a little, was he a walk-on at West Virginia? I think ah, I he was only a walk-on. Ah, uh, the Barry. Oh yeah. 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 John, John, John was good. Yep. And John was Drew good. Was, Drew, Drew was one, you know, but they was, John was good, you know, but I don't even think Johnny ever played an all-star game. I don't think so. And the uh, other thing is, they never had social media to oh. boost them up like Bronny's got right now. That's, that's the difference. I mean, on predates Twitter. It's and and and, and the early, infant days of, of really of even you know of, uh, email. So I mean, yeah, um, Facebook was not fifteen years ago was not what it is today, uh, and there was no Twitter at all. So yeah, that does change as it does for so many things in our lives, change everything in terms of it, everything. Yeah. Well, it's going to be interesting to chart, you know, and I hope the kid's level-headed. I hope that he's got, you know, maybe mom has a good, strong, you know, influence too. Who knows? I don't know. I wish him the best. It's not easy, you know, really. And he carries himself very well, Bob. Like like LeBron. Yeah. Yeah, Not only is his IQ on the court isn't like LeBron's. He doesn't pass the ball like that. He's actually, from the limited times that I've seen him, he's kind of, of more of a straight wing right now mm-hmm. um but he carries himself it's really impressive to watch him because you would never know he's lebron's kid and my guess is he doesn't want to come in through the back door he he wants to be like everybody else but he can't be i mean they're selling out arenas <laughs> yeah. watch this poor kid who again isn't a lead of the elite yet maybe he'll become that but i, I still think and the thing with him is he plays up in AAU, so he, he's younger. So you can see he's not dominant because he's a year younger than most of the guys that he's playing with or against. Uh, the interesting thing is going to be whether LeBron ever gets a chance to play with him in the NBA because he's got to go through three more years of high school. LeBron yeah. is turning 35. Five on the 30th of December. So that puts LeBron, even if this kid can go straight out of high school, if they, if they change the rules by then, and he can go out of high school. LeBron is going to be 39 at yeah. that point. Do you see LeBron James playing at 39? 
I don't know what his ambition is beyond, you know, we know he does have other irons in the fire. You know, we know he does have other things he'd like to accomplish in life that he's made that, I think, pretty clear about what he's done. Uh, that's a, I, I, I mean, it's, Nice. I'll go 50-50 on that one, I think. Yeah. You know, uh, maybe unless he gets some, you know, could always get an injury that would, you know, be annoying. You know, he might not. We have no way of knowing what, what he's going to be like physically at that point. Um, so, yeah, I, I, I would, that would be interesting. In the NBA, we've, never, we've had it in baseball. And, of course, we had it in hockey with the Gordy and, and the boys. Uh, but uh, uh, that would be uh, – we almost wouldn't – didn't go too far from missing it in football with Jackie Slater and, and, uh, and yeah, that's right. And Slater, you know, yeah. the, the Patriots, Matthew. but cause Jackie played 20 years. Anyway, that would be interesting, but uh, yeah, that's a, that's a long way down the road. As you see. Yeah. It's, it's two factors, right? Is, is LeBron going to be healthy enough and kid. want to play at 39? And is this kid good enough to go either straight out of high school or maybe even a year at, at wherever he goes to school, then LeBron's 40. Yeah. 40. Like, what are you with 40? Is LeBron going to be okay with just being a, a piece? Of being Vince Carter. That's where, that's the benchmark now for everybody forever and ever. Are you willing to be Vince Carter? Look, it's Kevin Willis after the 42. But Vince Carter, are you willing to do it and, and, and accept your status in the NBA as gracefully as he appears to be doing it and making a contribution and understanding uh, exactly what, you know, what, he, what, what he's valuable to? Why is valuable? Yeah, that it's, not many guys can have humble themselves. I think when they've been at that level, the way Vince appears to have done. Very true. All right, and on that, we're we're, we're going to get out of here. I think you may need a shovel today, Bob. You may need to break the shovel back out. Yeah, the shovel. We have a steady. We have a nice arsenal of shovels ready. For <laughs> so, so do I. Trust so, me. Andrew, it's sleet. Right it now. is sleet. No, it's uh, here. You're up there. I'm down here. We're Jeff's up in the way up in the north. Getting shore. more snow down in the yeah. south shore of Boston. So there we go. <laughs> well, listen. There you have it. Another edition of the the Ryan and Goodman podcast is in the books. I don't know where, where you're going to be next week for. Uh... Uh, well, on on Christmas itself, and uh, I'm going to be in Long Meadow, Mass, with my family, my my kid, grandkids, and my daughter-in-law, uh, with my wife and daughter. So we go out, we congregate there in Long Meadow, two hours west of here. But uh, basically, other than that, I'm not going out of town. You know, I'm, that's Christmas Day. I'll be home all week. All right, I'll I'll be on the West Coast with my family, uh, Christmas, and. Ah. Yeah. Uh, San Francisco. My my daughter thinks it's going to be like 70 degrees in oh, San Francisco. Well, I, it could be good, though. You know, you never know. I mean, you know, someone once said the worst uh, winter I ever spent was a summer in San Francisco. So or, or words to that. Listen, words I don't to have that. to break out a shovel, Bob. That's all I know is I will not have to shovel in San Francisco. I'm good. And uh, she, she just well, doesn't understand how uh, how much walking she's going to have to do in San Fran. That's all. Up, too. A lot of up. A lot of up. A lot of up. <laughs> All right, we'll, uh, we will talk next week, and uh, there you have it. Uh, Bob Ryan, Jeff Goodman Podcast. <laughs>